factual knowledge cannot lead you to truth. Some of you will have heard me use these examples before. Bear with me again because a bunch of people in the room haven't. But I taught school in Elgin for nine years, taught school for uh, 11 years all total. I began to have student teachers come from Eastern. And they were graduating, working on their master's degree. They were going to graduate. And I did not have a master's degree, but I had taught school for 10 years. I was an expert in 17-year-olds <laughs> after 10 years. These people, I had both 22-year-olds and 45-year-olds come out of Eastern, graduating with their master's degree in education, and they'd come to my classroom, and they had not mastered anything because they had never taught school. They were clueless. I had, I think, five or six student teachers, and several of them went on to be successful teachers in our administration here in, in schools in Eastern Oregon, but a couple of them quit they never taught school after their te student teaching experience because they hated 16-year-olds. <laughs> they knew, listen to me, they knew all the facts of their subject and they knew all the facts that they were taught in the education program, but they didn't know anything. They knew no truth at all about how to teach, how to handle a classroom of kids, how to build rapport, how to communicate, how to get a subject across. They knew absolutely nothing. So they had lots of factual knowledge, but they didn't know the truth of teaching, and sometimes it hit them like a truck. We have business graduates who graduate with a Master of Business Administration, and they haven't even run an Etsy page <laughs> and made a profit. They are a master of business, and they haven't, they haven't run a business at all. They know all the facts. They have all the knowledge, but they don't know anything. The teenager who's 17, 18, getting ready to graduate high school and is all excited about moving out on her own, even if she knows in her head the truth of there's going to be rent, and car insurance, and a cell phone bill, and uh, school costs, and, and I got to figure out how to go to school maybe, and or work maybe, or even if everything she knows about her next six months is true, when she's actually living it, it's going to kick her in the butt. <laughs> Hello? Yeah, Allie's nodding. You can know all these things, but until you experience it, you don't know anything. Because facts do not lead you to truth. Experiencing reality gives you truth. The world thinks that facts and knowledge equal truth, but that's patently untrue. Fact and truth are not the same thing. Information and fact and information and truth are not the same thing. Why is information not fact? Well, because it could be subjective, and it's not based on any measurable substance. But fact is not truth either. It's not false. So it is a fact, but it is only a measurement of the reality. It is not the reality itself. To know that temperature is 18 degrees is a measurement of the reality, and the reality is when you walk into that air, the reality is what you feel, which is truth. Because now you are experiencing 18 degrees, not just measuring it. 
fact is usually a physical measurement of reality or it's a study or a report or a portrayal of reality. All right? You can know the facts about the 1980 Olympic miracle when the U.S. beat the Soviet Union in Olympic hockey. You can watch the movie Miracle, which I highly recommend. It can give you a thrill of excitement, but it's still just a depiction. It isn't reality. Hello? Silas, probably the biggest hockey fan in our church family, can know the facts about the 1980 Olympic miracle. He can watch the movie and get thrilled but he can never know the truth of it because he was born in 1986. He didn't live it. Those of you who were the biggest hockey fan in the world and that was the most thrilling moment of your life, you still didn't live it like the players and the coaches. Their reality is even more true than yours because they lived it. They played the game. So fact... Even though it's true, it isn't truth because it's just a measurement or a portrayal or a report of his history or science or the weather or whatever else. But truth is more than fact because truth is reality. If I brought up a married couple up here and I told you this couple loves each other well. That would be, to you, for me, that would be information. If their adult son came up and said, yeah, mom and dad have been married for 40 years, and as in all marriages, ups and downs, but generally it has been a happy, loving marriage, that would be a fact. But only these two people can know the truth of their marriage because they're the only two living in it. They know all the joys and victories and the heartbreaks and the tragedies and all of it, in a way that no one else can, even if we were told every single true detail, it would still just be fact. We hadn't lived it. So the press gives us information, subjective opinion at best, propaganda at worst. It is neither fact nor truth. At best, it is static, chatter, blather. At worst, it's intentional lies. Science gives us facts, but not truth. There is no truth in science. It is only fact. Science can never lead us to truth. Let me say that again. Science can never lead us to truth. It can only observe and measure and report about reality. But science is not reality. It is the study of reality. Hello? Science will never lead us to truth. It is only fact when it's actual science. Most of what passes for science isn't even fact. But when it's fact, it's only fact. It can never make the leap to meaning. Science can tell us all about the biological order in the animal kingdom, but what does it mean? Scientists shrug their shoulders, we're not, and we're not here to tell you what it means. We're just there to rank the animals in biological order. It can never make the leap to 
the how. How did the atomic particles arrange themselves in perfect order? Where every atom and every molecule forms exactly what it needs to form at exactly the right time in every chemical from outer space to the innards of your body. How did that happen? Well, we don't know. Science can never make the leap to why. Why do I exist? Do I have a creator? Do I have a purpose? What am I here for? What am I supposed to do? Science can't answer that question. It can never answer truth. It can only give us numbers and hypotheses. That's all it can do. Science can never explain your feelings that you get when you stare at the sky on a starry summer night. It can never explain to you the feelings you get walking through the forest. It can never explain the serenity of a mountain lake on a camping trip or a scenic drive. It can only lead to conclusions of chaos and meaninglessness and randomness. Because the more we learn about atomics and biology and astronomy, it's just there and it's random and there are no answers. And it can't help with your conclusions then if you believe science is, the, is truth, it can't help with the conclusions of, well then really I'm just a biological and chemical accident and nothing I do matters. I'm just the product of millions of years and lots of people coming together and now it's me. Science can't help with that. Ultimately, it will lead you to meaninglessness. Science can do absolutely nothing. Facts can do nothing about the skyrocketing suicide rate in the last year. Or meth addiction, or fatherlessness, or trafficking, or lawlessness. Because facts aren't truth. Knowing something doesn't teach us anything. The Bible says so. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. In the Amplified, it says this, Knowledge alone makes people self-righteously arrogant, but love that unselfishly seeks the best for others builds up and encourages growth and wisdom. Amen. The people who think they know something are really just arrogant. After life has kicked you down a few notches down the ladder, then you begin to really know something when you realize you don't know very much. Now, you, now you're holding on to the truth. The world thinks that facts and knowledge equal truth, but that's patently untrue. If you're on an airplane, would you rather have the pilot who just graduated from pilot school, who got 100% on every test, but has never flown a plane? Or do you want the guy who got C's all the way through school, but he's been flying for 30 years? Come on. I don't care what this... Punk, 25-year-old, thinks he knows about this airplane if he's never gotten it off the ground. I don't care if he got 100% on every test. He doesn't know anything because he's never done it. I don't care if the guy got a 70% on every test if he hasn't crashed in 30 years. 
we're fine. I'm getting on your plane. If you have to have brain surgery or heart surgery, do you want the kid that just graduated from medical school with straight A's but has never cut open a chest or a skull? Or do you want the guy who got B minuses all the way through but has done it 25 times? But come on. I do not want the person who knows something. I want the person who's done something, who's lived it. And you do too, because you know there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. You know there's a difference between fact and truth. The 15-year-old who studies the driver's manual and goes in on the computer and takes the test and gets 100% knows absolutely nothing about operating a vehicle until she gets behind the wheel and actually does it. And even my daughter here that's been driving for two years, does it, and she's totaled one of our cars, hitting a deer. All right, she's, got, she's building a little experience. But still, two years driving is not much. Larry Robbins, who, who's driven for six decades and has four million miles trucking on, in the, on the interstate, that man knows how to drive. Not my sweet daughter Harvest over here who just got her permit. See, of course, when they're 15, they think they do. Don't they, Chloe? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So facts do, will not lead you to truth. Truth is an experience of reality. You have to experience reality and have it school you. It changes you. You have had an experience that is more true than anything you could know from a book or even another person. You can know the information that Sarah is my wife. You can know the fact that she is my wife. And some of you, all of you, know her to some extent, but none of you know her like me because we live in marriage. And I know her. To some extent, you all know her, but nobody knows her like me. But I don't know her like Jesus. You can know some basic facts about her. You can know some advanced facts about her. And you can read the truest biography of every factual detail of her life. And you still would not know her because you haven't been in the moments with her like I have. Her, our kids and her parents don't know her like I do. Only God knows her more, because God's in her heart, and I'm not. Truth is experiencing living in a reality. So that pilot, with decades of experience in the cockpit, who's lived and succeeded, probably through several emergencies, maybe landing his helicopter in Quezon or Kabul, he knows how to fly. I can read a book on flying an airplane and I would understand it. And it actually would really excite me. But I don't, and I've been in lots of different kinds of airplanes. But Sarah's dad and my brother have their pilot's license and they actually fly planes, which I have never done. But they don't know anything like a helicopter pilot in Vietnam. The guy who can fly in an emergency, the guy who landed his plane on the river in New York or wherever that was, he knows, he knows, he knows the truth. 
not just facts about the parts of the airplane and how they work. So if you're a climber or a snowboarder you can, or a hiker, you can know the mountain. And if you, if you know what I mean, you know what I mean. If you have a favorite hunting area or a favorite camping area, you get to know the land. You really do, am I right? Yeah, you know a certain location and it, becomes, it comes in your heart. You know the seasons and the smells and, and the trees and the way the weather behaves certain times of the year because you're experiencing reality in that place. Those of you who are horse people, you can know your horse. And I, you know I don't mean the facts about your horse. You know your horse. You know how it's going to behave on the trail or with the cattle or, how, or in the arena or however you're using it. You're in a relationship with that horse or your dog, or whatever it is that you know and love. There are men who know their machines. Seriously, they're, like, they're not just mechanical wizards, but they know the machine. They know how it sounds and how it's supposed to behave and operate, and they know how to twist their tongue while they pull the starter rope and cross their fingers and spit three times, and then it'll start, and nobody else can get it to start. But they, just, they know the machine because they've worked with it so often. People who know a musical instrument, come on, it's people who know five chords and they can play guitar, but there's people who know their guitar or their keyboard. So God had a problem. He said, I've spoken to them. I've written a book about myself. Some of them don't know me at all. Some believe in other gods. Some know about me. But no one knows me. So I guess I'll just have to go live with them. Matthew chapter 1. She will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is translated, God with us. God with us. I don't want them to know about me. I don't want them to read a book only. I want them to know me. I don't want them to know facts about me. I want them to have an encounter with the reality of me that changes them. So that they know the truth. I will become one of them. I will live with them. I will let them experience me. And I will experience them. And we will live in communion. I don't want them to know facts. I don't want them to know history. I don't want them to know theology. I want them to know me. I don't want them to know about me. I want them to live in relationship with me. An experience that changes them. Because they have had an experience with the truth. Because they have walked with me and I have walked with them. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to God 
except through me. The truth is not a set of facts, an idea, a philosophy. It's not a scientific measurement. Truth is a person. I said truth is a person. When you finally cut through all of the so-called knowledge of the world and science and activity and everything that passes for knowledge, when you cut through all of your other relationships, all of which will fail you or you will lose at some time or another, all that's left is Jesus. He is the ultimate truth and he is the only truth. Truth is a person, a man, whom you may know and live with and walk with and talk with and serve and give your time to. You don't have to ascribe to a set of beliefs or a philosophy or prove a certain set of facts. Way too many people who call themselves Christians, even people in this room right now, you don't believe anything more than the demons do. The demons know who God is. They know who Jesus is. They know he's the son of God. They know he's returning. They know he's the savior. It is not enough to know those facts. You must know the man. You must experience the man. You must be in relationship with the man. Come on, Satan has correct theology. Satan goes to church. There's a couple different times Jesus had to cast a demon out in the synagogue. Hello, we've had demons manifest in here before. The devil's not afraid to go to church. And he believes everything correctly about his theology. So the fact that you're here and you know the truth means nothing. You got to know the man. You must know Jesus Christ yourself. Revelation 12:11 says they overcame by their testimony. They overcame by their testimony. They overcame by their testimony. Well, and you know that's not if you know the verse you know that's not all of it, but I'm just highlighting that point. They overcame by their Testimony, this is the truth that I have run into and it changed me. This is when I met Jesus and this is who I was before and this is who he made me into now. This is how I was bound and this is how he set me free. This is how I was blind and now I can see. And this is how I used to behave and now I hate that stuff. Not because I ran into theology or philosophy or science facts. I ran into a man. That I decided I needed, I needed to know him. I wanted to be like him. I wanted him to know me. I wanted him to teach me and change me. I wanted the truth. I didn't want a facts. I didn't want a creed. I wanted a savior. I needed a teacher. Only your testimony, only your testimony is going to help you in the days ahead. I mean, your story of your real interactions with Jesus. Only the moments 
where you have honestly met with him in his presence that have changed you are those are the only thing that's going to get you through what's coming. Your religious knowledge, your science knowledge, your intelligence, your charisma, your skill, your money, your preparedness, and your constitutional rights are not going to see you through the days ahead. You must know Jesus. You must have a testimony and experience a reality. Your experience that you have lived with God is more true than any fact of an event in your life. Our legal system has that completely backwards. They're constantly looking for facts and hard evidence and paper and numbers, and they discount the testimony of people who live through the experience. You have unconsciously been trained to disbelieve people's testimony because there are so many liars. And obviously, uh, it's the job of the judge and the jury and the attorneys to be skeptical because half of these people are lying and probably nobody has the whole truth here in this court case. But, but we have been taught that people's experiences and their testimony are completely untrustworthy and we only trust paper and numbers and DNA tests and blood and pictures. All of those are just measurements. They're not the reality. The people who were in the car wreck or at the murder scene or in the robbery or had the gun barrel at their face, those are the people who can tell you the truth of it. And we've been told that that's all subjective. Well, I'm here to tell you it's more true than fact. You've been brainwashed by Western materialist thinking. You must know the man. You must have a story. You must have an encounter. And not just one from 35 years ago when I was a stoned dopehead and Jesus saved me and got me sober, but then you don't have anything else since. If Sarah and I got married 23 years ago, but I don't have any meaningful memories since then, we don't have a marriage. In fact, we not even only do we not have a marriage, that's an absolute tragedy. And it's a lie. You may have had a real moment with God 20 or 40 years ago, but if that's all you got, you're living a lie. At best, you're living a tragedy. At worst, you're living a lie. Because you think you're married to Jesus and you're not. If it was just one night 40 years ago or 10 years ago, there should be real moments of real interaction that change you. It's going to include this. It will never, ever be apart from this book. Hello? But it's not just this. It's going to include prayer. But you can't just pray. You have to read this book to know who he is. But you can't just pray and read. you got to worship. you got to give him your life and heart. But it's not just that because that's still all just sort of knowledge at a distance if it isn't personal. You should have mystical experiences that you can't explain or that you're embarrassed to tell because people will think you're crazy. And they won't, you try to explain it and it doesn't make any sense. You cannot explain the feelings of a spiritual experience. 
you end up just sounding stupid or blubbering tears. You'll find God, you'll find Jesus in his word. You find Jesus in your prayer time. You find Jesus in your worship. You find Jesus in the spiritual experiences. And you find Jesus in everyday life. Cooking and cleaning and working and driving, gardening, shoveling snow, building. You find him. You can't live on my knowledge, my testimony. I tell you my stories to inspire you to have your own, not to brag on mine or so that you can live on mine or anybody else's. You must have your own. You must walk with Jesus. You must do it. You ever tried to start a new craft or a home remodel project or you're going to build something and you get into it and you're like, the YouTube video made this look so easy. (laughs) Come on. The Pinterest blog made this look like it would be a two-day project. Well, Mitch preached that sermon, and it was so exciting and inspiring, and yeah, I was going to I was gonna do it, and, and we got home, and the kid barfed, and all the feelings were gone. My husband barked at me, and oh, man, World War III was on. Come on, but you have to do it yourself. You have to do it yourself. You have to make time to pray. You have to make time to read your Bible. You must know Jesus. It won't be as easy as the sermon makes it sound because it's never as easy as the YouTube video makes it look. You can do it. You must know the truth, not just somebody else's facts. Amen. Amen. Jesus, I know your name is Emmanuel. Come and be God with me. Thank you that you did not leave me alone. But you came to live with me. To know me. And to let me know you. I need to know you. I need to experience you for myself. Open my eyes. Open my ears. So that I can see and hear what these people see and hear. I want to experience you for myself. I open my heart and I ask you to come. Show me who you are. Let me know you. Amen.